the best show in the Pacific Northwest. Here's my dad to his boyfriend and friend. Hey you guys, welcome to episode 322 now of the Ron and Don Show on the Ron and Don Radio Network and we are live from the Les Schwab Studio. What is up Ron and Don Nation? Hey, I want to thank Les Schwab for sponsoring today's show. Also Mitch Weeks from Mitch Dot loans. Yeah, if you're doing a refi or you're thinking of buying a home, if you're in the Ron and Don Nation, you save half a percent on your loan. That's an average savings of three grand back in your pocket. Go to Mitch.loans and tell them we sent you. Yeah, I also want to thank those guys, Ron and Don from Windermere, licensed brokers. These guys are great. If you're thinking about buying, selling, investing, reach out to those guys. Uh, they know exactly what they're talking about. Most of the time, except when they don't know what they're talking about. Anyway, hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, no longer sorry. What's he no longer sorry about? Also, a lot of delusional thinking, I think, during the pandemic. And historically, there's always been kind of a lot of delusional thinking when a pandemic happens. I was unaware of that until I did some research. Uh, Wow. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. Uh, I think this is kind of interesting. I just read something that said when you look at the real estate market is uh, we head into 2022, we should see interest rates go up. We think that the Delta variant will back off a little bit. Hopefully there's not another variant out there. And as a result of that, we will see more supply and less demand. What's interesting to me, Ron, is here in the city of Seattle and really on the east side right now, I have never seen such pressure on east side real estate, and I don't think that's changing. I think when we look at these statistics, that's probably a national trend, and you're reading a lot of stories about how markets are cooling right now. Uh, And we took a run this week at numerous properties writing great offers. And we weren't able to land all those properties because so many people are still willing to step in. And even if a a home doesn't appraise, they're willing to cover it on the back end themselves. And Ron, in some ways, this seems more voracious to me uh, than it did last spring. What is your read on what's happening? Because it may be cooling off nationally, but I don't see that here in Seattle and specifically I do not see that happening anytime soon on the east side because there's such pressure now with the rebuilding of Microsoft, with the tower that is going in. You have Apple there. You have Google there. uh, And you know, you know, that's HQ2 for our friends at Amazon. They don't want to pay that. They don't want to get kicked around by these politicians. They don't want to pay that head tax. They're not going anywhere because they don't lease all these buildings. They own them. So it'd be very hard for them to turn around and say, hey, We're leaving the the city of Seattle. But I think a lot of the office space that they were going to use in the city of Seattle, I I think they're looking across the pond now. They're looking across Lake Washington. And I think that's why we are feeling and seeing such pressure. Also, a lot of my Airbnbs, a lot of the license plates have changed from California to Texas. Many, many people now that are down there working in Austin, 
They like the fact that in the state of Texas, you don't have to pay state income tax. Tech workers love that. And that's one of the appeals about the great state of Washington. Now, of course, we all know if you live here, you get dinged and destroyed in other ways when it comes to taxes. Uh, But I I think this is a very interesting national trend. uh, But I don't think we're going to trend that way here in the Pacific Northwest and specifically in the Seattle, Tacoma, Everett area. I I agree with you. And to me, it goes back to the 2008 housing crisis where virtually all development stopped. And what you see when you go back and you you look at those numbers and you look at, at the trends is almost by half the the housing stock was just not built. So had 2008 not happened uh, in the way that it happened, you would have seen housing units being built in the Pacific Northwest at, at probably 40% more than what happened. And banks were just not lending money. Developers couldn't get loans. And so all kinds of projects just stopped. And now we're playing catch up with that. And the demand is outstripping the supply by a large margin, especially, like you said, uh, on the east side. So I I agree with your analysis. I think that sometimes not only national trends versus Seattle trends, sometimes they'll do a Pacific Northwest trend and someone will read into that that doesn't apply to their specific neighborhood. So you could you could read something in The Times or you can read something uh, in the east side uh, business journal and then it doesn't apply to you. So I think we need to be very weary in a sense or wary of how you read these statistics. But, but I, I do think that you're correct in the city of Seattle. If you live in Redmond, if you live in Bellevue, uh, if you live in, in sort of the tech corridor here, these national studies, at least for the next 12 to 24 months in my mind, do not apply. There, there is such pent up demand here. It's going to continue to be that way. I don't think it's going to be the frenzy that we saw this year. I I think it'll be a little less frenzied, but um, it's funny to me. We had a client the other day that that called me and was like, this house has been on the market for 10 days. What's wrong with it? (laughs) And I was like, 10 days? I was like, go talk to your parents about how long a house would sit on the market because it used to be super common for the average days on market to be 90 days, 120 days, that was that was typical. You would have a house that stay on the market for a year, and no one panicked. It was like, that's just how long it takes. Now we're going, it's 10 days. Why did it sell in six? Yeah. Um, and, and so we've just really had to do a hard reset of how we even think about the market. Yeah. Anyway, you got, it's important to sit down, come up with a strategy. Make sure that you're underwritten, too, and uh, we can help with all that. So uh, just go to ronanddonsitdown.com. That's ronanddonsitdown.com. Mark Zuckerberg, no longer sorry. What's he no longer sorry about? We'll talk about that here in just a minute. It's just like talking to a longtime friend. They are so fun, and they were so fun to work with. When it comes to your real estate journey, you need an expert team and a playbook. The Ron and Don Playbook. It all starts with the Ron and Don sit-down. I think the expertise provided by Ron and Don is really something I haven't seen before. I've bought probably a half a dozen properties over my lifetime. So I was just so impressed at how all-in they were from the very beginning. They knew what we were going to need to do in order to get the house that I wanted, and they were absolutely committed to making that happen for me. So responsive. And I would hear from them if they needed something for me immediately. If I called them, they would answer. They were 
were super responsive. Uh, Dawn was a bit of a magician, being that like there was things that nobody knew the answers to. It was remarkable, and I would get the call. Hey, I was able to get the plans, the plans that if we don't get, we don't buy this house. And I get the call, and there's four boxes of plans. It was amazing. The sale price was 55k over ask, and that just blew us away. We were absolutely ecstatic. Thanks to their skill to negotiate, we are so grateful and so happy and so pleased. They were a thousand percent instrumental in making this deal happen and making sure we closed on time and that I was able to get into my dream condo. I'm just absolutely thrilled. I mean, I knew that this was going to be hard to find and we did it so quickly and got just the perfect house in exactly where I needed it to be at a price that I feel really good about. So I could not be happier with my experience. I really felt like I could, could trust them. They made some promises on some things mm -hmm. that, and they delivered on it with no questions mm -hmm. asked, you know, and they came through. I absolutely recommend Ron and Don for your real estate transactions or just a cup of coffee and a sit down. Ready to get in the game? Get your playbook and schedule your Ron and Don sit down now at ronanddonsitdown.com. Don't go anywhere unless you want to. The Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me at ronanddon.com. All right, you guys, welcome back to uh, the Ron and Don Show, and we're talking about Mark Zuckerberg here a little bit. It's interesting because I think a lot of people felt like, uh, you know, Facebook was just kind of becoming the thing that your parents and your grandparents did, and maybe it still is. And a lot of younger people are interested in Snapchat or they're interested in Instagram or TikTok, Clubhouse, TikTok, all that, a bunch of other uh, apps out there. I think what's really interesting, though, because what Facebook has done is if you want to publish content, you can publish content on your page or you can publish content just like you can on Instagram to something called Facebook story, right? And what's interesting to me is how great people are on Facebook story, how much time they spend on Facebook story. I think of people out there that are trainers that are promoting themselves and, and you get to wake up with them in the morning on Facebook story at 4.11 in the morning and I see my friend Jane and you see exactly what she drinks and she shows you her watch and she goes through her workout and she gives you a couple quick glimpses of it. So it's not like you're sitting there and you're reading paragraph after paragraph. You just see her in the morning. There she is. She's drinking her drink. She's doing her workout. She's going to show her watch. She's going to show us how many calories she burned. And then uh, she's going to put an invitation out there for maybe uh, to get up with her because this Friday they're doing a group group workout and, and she wants you to come and be a part of that. I see a lot of real estate agents uh, embracing Facebook story and, and doing a great job in framing themselves as, as real estate agents. Because sometimes as an agent, it's a delicate balance because you don't want to sit there and pound people over the head all the time and say, I'm an agent, I'm an agent, I'm an agent. And then when they go to sell, they're like, oh, I, I forgot that you were an agent. That's why I didn't call you, even though you're my next door neighbor, whatever that is. So it, it seems like it's re, uh, I don't know, for me, 
uh, it's made me more excited about Facebook and about using Facebook again. And one thing that I do is just for my family is I just take pictures of myself, my son and my dog, and I put them up on story. I don't write anything about it. I just think it's fun to post different pictures and to see my family and my friends in, in the same way, in the same avenue. Anyway, there's an, there's, uh, this is kind of interesting. There's an article that just came out about Facebook, and it's in the New York Times. It says that Mark Zuckerberg is no longer, sto- uh, no longer sorry. And when it came to a lot of the misinformation that we saw, especially in the election cycle, we saw him jumping on TV a lot and trying to explain it or trying to control it or trying to fix it. Uh, this just came out in this article. It said this month, the wall street journal has published something called the Facebook files. It's an investigation based on a mountain of leaked internal documents brimming with revelations from how it allowed COVID misinformation to spread. And it also talks about how they made special allowances for celebrities and political figures to post extreme content. Also, the leak from the whistleblower now, uh, who is working with the federal government, has stirred up, they say, the biggest controversy. Uh, and in fact, on Monday, longtime Facebook technology chief Mike Schlofer, one of Zook's most trusted friends and lieutenants, he walked away after 13 years saying he doesn't like what's happening with the company. So, Ron, what happened here? On one hand, you have Mark Z saying, hey, we're trying to control it. We're trying to fix it. We're a platform. Uh, This is upsetting me, too. And now we're seeing internal documents that said, hey, it seems like they were all about it because any time you had the former president saying something controversial, usually it ended up in 25% of people's feeds on Facebook. It was content that people wanted to read. They wanted to get mad. They want to get upset. They want to whatever that is. Uh, And we know this from being entertainers in radio. Our bosses always tell us, it doesn't matter if they like you or if they hate you. What matters is that they like you or that they hate you. In other words, they know you and they have an opinion about you. That's what drives ratings and that's what drives revenue. What's going on here with Facebook? I mean, it's getting to the point now where you wonder if if things if this should be broken up in a sense. Facebook now owns Instagram. Facebook owns WhatsApp. Uh, Facebook is, uh, along with Google, the largest income revenue uh, advertiser uh, in the world. And Zuckerberg has taken the stance of, I'm just not going to respond. I'm not going to respond to the controversy. I'm smarter than all these Congress people. They don't understand what I do. They couldn't write an algorithm if there was a gun to their head. So what are they going to do? They don't don't get it. They're never going to get it. And so if I just ignore it, they're probably just not going to care. And they'll make donations to super PACs and do higher lobbyists and high expensive lawyers and all that stuff. And so he sort of handed the controversy off to Sandberg, Cheryl Sandberg, I think is her name. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of the, the people that are at VP levels, he's like, I'm just going to be the guy that comes out and talks about good news, talks about good things, talks about our mission. It's pretty clear though, that he is very savvy and very, very ruthless. Uh, he wants to be the biggest game in town. He doesn't really care who he destroys. And we can even think back. It has a lot of echoes in a sense of Bill Gates, like the reputation of Bill Gates before the Bill and Melinda Gates foundation stuff was ruthless. He would either steal or acquire 
anything that he wanted. If you were, if you remember the whole antitrust case on uh, Internet Explorer, he was like, "Hey, this internet thing's the way of the future. I'm just going to buy it. I'm going to put everybody else out of business. I'm going to put it in the operating system. There's nothing you can do about it." And he got sued for it. But by the time the lawsuit actually went anywhere, he had destroyed all the competition, and and it took years for that to to kind of recover or to change. So I think Zuckerberg is 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 doing the same thing. He's like, I want to dominate. Uh, if I can't beat you, I'm going to buy you. And I'm just going to cut deals to get the most power I can and the most money I can. Yeah. Uh, and I don't I don't know how you put this genie back in the bottle. That, that was kind of Jeff Bezos until they went after him and his girlfriend with the pictures. And then he went public and he did it very effectively. He was he was very effective when he decided to speak and and to handle his divorce. You see Elon Musk go after him a lot now, especially about NASA contracts, and Jeff doesn't really respond to that. He, Elon Musk can't can't he can't help himself. Do you, do you see Jeff Zuckerberg, Mark Zuckerberg, or Mark Zuckerberg, do you see him down the road doing what Bill did? Uh because his parents, and specifically his father, was very involved in philanthropy. Do you think he draped himself in philanthropy because he started thinking about legacy? And you talking about Bill or Zuckerberg? I'm, yeah, I'm talking, about, I'm talking about Bill. And does Mark Zuckerberg do a similar thing and say, you know what? I'm going to have to pull myself uh, and I'm going to have to focus on legacy and philanthropy at some point. Uh, and, and I think you even see Jeff Bezos now making some moves to do that, to start thinking about legacy and not just, hey, it's me and Elon Musk and who's going to be the richest guy in the world next week. So, I, I th- There are different stages. I mean, Zuckerberg, I don't even think he's 40 yet. Yeah, he's not. So, you know, Gates didn't come to that conclusion until he was well past 50, I believe. So, and then Elon Musk is in his 50s now. And, and, and Bezos, I think, is getting closer to 60. So maybe that, I just don't know if that happens in the mind of a 37, 38 year old. So, you know, the, the meteoric rise of Facebook and the way that he cracked the code on, on targeted advertising. uh, I think he's still in acquisition mode. More on the other side. Hey, Ron and Don Nation, this is Mitch Weeks with Home Seed Loans. At Home Seed Loans, our mission is to make the mortgage process cheap and stress-free. And guess what? We've got a deal for all Ron and Don Nation listeners. Our partnership means that listeners will save half a percent on the closing of your loan. That's an average of $3,000 saved when you switch to Mitch. Wow. That's a lot, Ron, isn't it? You should switch to Mitch. I just switched to Mitch. I went to Mitch.loans, and I started the loan process just like you can. That's Mitch.loans. Save a half a percent today, just like I'm doing. The Weeks team, NMLS 1691573. Hey, what's going on, Ron and Don Nation? This is Therese, a new team member on Ron and Don team. It's tough out there for buyers right now, and that's why you need a buyer specialist like me. Let's send you a buyer's playbook, and for you sellers, we have a seller's playbook. Reach out to the team, and let's do a sit-down, and we'll get you these playbooks. Just reach out to us at ronanddonsitdown.com, and we'll schedule a sit-down today. Now back to the show. All right, you guys, welcome back. It's the uh, final segment of the Ron and Don Show. Uh, thanks for listening to us. Thanks for supporting us. And thanks for supporting 
our friends at Les Schwab and also uh, Mitch Weeks, who, uh, if you're looking for a loan. Yeah, Mitch.loans. He does refis and purchases. And right now, if you're in the Ronadon Nation, save half a percent. That's an average of three grand back in your pocket. I'm actually using Mitch right now because uh, I'm in the market to buy. Yeah. It's kind of interesting when we were going through the, the political season with the former president, I, I really tried uh, to be a good listener and to listen to people and try to meet folks in the middle with with some stuff that I thought was even sometimes outrageous. And I'm like, man, we, with with the platform that we have, and the people that listen to this podcast and the people that know and trust us, I wondered sometimes if maybe I was being a little too milk toast. And I often think about when I'm recording this podcast, uh, I think about the fact, I think about legacy. And I think about the fact that my son will listen to this podcast someday. And when he listens to it, I wonder what Ron and I have gotten wrong. I think about my grandparents, for instance. My grandpa grew up in the South. He was raised by a black woman. Uh, he referred to black people as Negroes. And then also he used the other N-word. And he saw black people as either being Negroes or the other N-word. And his name was Sippy because he was from Mississippi. And that's the culture that he grew up in. And I remember going to a Taco Bell. And, and I love I, my grandpa died when I was 23. And I, and I love him, but I don't, I don't love the fact that my grandpa was a racist. And my mom and I talk about this. I mean, he just was. Uh, and I remember going to this Taco Bell, and people in my family laugh about it, but I don't think it's funny. He would, there, there were some people that were African-American working at the Taco Bell. He saw one of them. He, he thought they scratched their head. He had ordered 100 tacos for, for this huge family reunion. And he walked out and wouldn't, wouldn't buy the tacos and wouldn't eat the tacos uh, because of what that N-word had just done to his tacos. I was probably like seven years old taking, taking all this in. As a 54-year-old man now, I look back on the Taco Bell incident, and I know that my grandfather was wrong. I know that he was a racist. It doesn't, it, it doesn't mean that I don't love him, miss him, cherish him, Uh but even within my own family, it would be a knockdown, drag out fight if some of my other cousins, for instance, heard me call him a racist. They'd be very upset. It would be punching words. They'd be real mad at me. But, but the truth is, my grandfather got that wrong. He got that wrong, right? And that's part of your legacy, too, when you get things wrong. We're talking about Bill and Melinda Gates. We're talking about Mark Zuckerberg, Jeff Bezos, all these people that have more money than whoever. And what's their legacy going to be? Philanthropy and getting us to space or the fact that they were able to crush another, you know, Fortune 500 company by acquiring them. So anyway, as, as, as we're doing this, as, as we're doing this podcast, I, I've kind of taken a stronger stance when it comes to people that are anti-vax. And I've had a lot of people coming at me uh, in emails and specifically uh, on my Facebook page. And I, and I even have lost some friendships over this. And these aren't friendships that I'm willing to go back and fight for. These aren't friendships that I want to continue, which is kind of new for me. But therapy has gotten me there. Where it's like, you know what? We, we don't have this shared value. And, and there is an elephant in the room. And the elephant in the room, to me, a lot of times was stuff that the former president was saying specifically about women and minorities. 
And, and, and so I was just thinking in terms of, of my own legacy in this podcast. And if my son listened to it one day, I I'm just wondering, was I hard enough? Was I hard enough? And at the same time, loving enough to really draw a line in the sand and say, Hey, if you're out there and you're anti-vax and you're pretending to frame this in freedom and you're a freedom fighter, uh, that's bullshit. So so I've taken a stronger stance. And as a result of that, I've had some people come at it and go, man, what is going on with you? You're always kind of the man in the middle. You're always kind of that guy that was listening to people. You're that guy who's going to therapy. But yeah, at, at, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, when it comes to vaccination, when it comes to public health, and even when it comes to things that the former president is currently saying and doing to create even more division in this next election cycle, I think it's okay. I think it's okay to take a firmer stance. What say you? Can't believe you used the BS word on the podcast. Uh, No, I appreciate that. I think that I think about that as well in terms of, you know, I, I want the show to be popular. I want to be, everybody wants to be liked. Uh, you know, I want the things that we talk about to make a difference. And I don't want to deliberately go out and, and sever relationships with people. But this one, it's come to that point for me as well in my life where, you know, it's it's like I can't abide with foolishness. Like, I... I don't mind. Uh, in fact, I enjoy, and you know, you've known me almost my whole life. I enjoy a heated discussion with two well thought out sides of an argument on the merits. Yeah. Like if you, if we have a legitimate disagreement about something and you have a point of view and I have a point of view, I love getting into the minutia and like trying to figure it out and who's, who's more correct on this. Uh, there's just, there's no space for that here. There's just, is no space. It has turned into something that is unrecognizable to me in, in terms of civil discourse. And so, yeah, it's if somebody wants to die on that hill figuratively or literally, I'm, I'm sort of at the point where it's like, okay, you're going to do it without me in your corner anymore. Yeah. The, the thing that boggles my mind, and I don't have it figured out, uh, and I even have some family members that, that – that I don't I don't talk to, uh, and and they're anti-vax, and and they've also gotten real sick because of COVID nineteen, and 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 then when these family members get around my mother, uh, even early on in the pandemic, that that that's what drives me, you know, that's what drives me a little nuts, and 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 I'm okay with never talking to these family members again. I'm okay with that. It doesn't mean I don't love them. I just don't like them, and and I don't necessarily need to be around them. Uh, and that's, you know that that that's the stance that I'm taking on this. I I I see the stories of all the police officers, all the first responders. That I don't see doctors, but I see nurses, EMTs, paramedics, firefighters, police officers, by the thousands that 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 won't get the shot. And it's because of freedom. 
And then you always see in those same stories, just, just read below. Like I read Apple news a lot and, and, and they take articles from Fox, MSNBC, CNN, they mix them all up. So I appreciate that because that way I get different perspectives of what different people think. And then right down below that, you'll see the police officer, 37, anti-vax, didn't get vaccinated. Here's a video of him now begging everyone in his family to get vaccinated right before he dies. He leaves five kids behind. You see a firefighter and go on and on. You see the nurse, you see, and they're, and they're all on videos begging everyone to get vaccinated, begging them to do that as they're on their deathbeds and they're dying. So, and at the end of the day, let's say that we're wrong. Let's say that getting vaccinated, it was the wrong thing to do. Sometimes you do, maybe you do the wrong thing, but you do it with the right heart. I have never seen such selfishness when people talk about their freedom. It is so damn selfish. I don't know where that comes from. 97% of people in this country say that they're Christians or somehow embrace some type of Christianity. And I grew up in the church with Jesus and in the Catholic church and everything else. And I'm just telling you right now, if, if, if that's the guy you follow, he's a liar, lunatic, exactly who he said he was. If that's the guy you follow, I have to believe that he would have gotten vaccinated. And I have to believe that the rest of the 12, the 12 wise guys that were following him around, I think that they would have gotten uh, vaccinated too. So just going to leave it right there. You guys, thanks for listening to this episode. We really appreciate you. Thanks to Les Schwab for sponsoring the Ron and Don show. It is fall driving season. Stop by one of their 85 locations just to make sure that you're road trip ready and ready to go. I have a slow leak in one of my tires, so I need to stop by Les Schwab tire center and get that handled. And a lot of times they handle it for free and just boom, they send you on your way. Also, if you're thinking about going out and buying and purchasing a, a, a home, it is important not just to get a letter that says you're pre-approved. That doesn't mean a lot. What, what, what means a lot is when you actually get underwritten and you submit those documents. That gives you a lot of leverage and power. Yeah, we've got a new sponsor on the show, Mitch Weeks. Mitch.loans. He set something up for the Ron and Don Nation. You save half a percent on your loan, and uh, that's an average savings back in your pocket of $3,000. It's not a .com. Mitch.loans. Hey, you guys, thanks for listening. Keep your head up, your shoulders back. Thanks for hitting subscribe. And the Ron and Don Show drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Till next time, keep your head up and your shoulders back because you're listening to the Ron and Don Show only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet and we'll see you next time. Only! 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 On the Ron and Don Radio Network. <laughs>